we're going to have a new feature on the podcast called Partridge. Oh, fucking hell. I think we all need to get some Matt Sharpness back. We need to phone Hearts, ask if they want to play as a friend. Right? <laughs> the, the get rest the Jambos kicked back in for a friendly <laughs> podcast, aye. <laughs> Joe Sked coming off the bench. Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week are David Forrest. David, hello. How have you been? Hello. Not bad. I'm looking forward to getting back to it. Also here is Rhys Haldane. Rhys, how have you been? Right, guys. Not too bad. How are you? Hi, good, thanks. And Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, I'm just glad to be back and previewing a football match. It's been too long. Definitely. It has been a while since we've been able to talk about football. It's nearly three months now since our last game. So we'll kick off with, with football matters, I think. I think that's what we all want to hear about. Um, and that since it was announced that League One and Leagues Two could restart, we have been pretty active in the, the transfer window. Jamie, what have you made of the business we've done so far? Overall, I'm pretty happy with our business, to be honest. Uh, I think we address most areas, bar maybe a winger. We definitely need a striker, which I'm glad we got. We've obviously got that in McIver. I think we could maybe have done it for winger, as obviously Spittles loan ended and then McDade was cancelled. But it's not the end of the world that we didn't get one, because I really hope the Alliance gets more of a chance this half of the season. I know McCall's saying he wants to add one more striker from down south as a last bit of business, so we'll see how that goes if that's able to go for her. Gagan and Bell, um, I'm assuming they'll be used a bit more as squad players, but we definitely, I think, needed to beef out our squad a bit more because remember at the start of the season, sometimes we could barely name a bench and there was numerous occasions we've not taken advantage of the five-sub rule. I think we've only used that once. That really should be playing into our hands. Uh, bring in Devine, I assume he'll be probably used as cover for Foster and Williamson at right back, but overall, I'm happy with our business and yeah, it's good It's good that we've we got in. Obviously, there's, a, there's another person we've got in, but we'll move on to that a bit later. We will move on to Erskine later. We'll talk about him separately. David, what have you made of the business so far? Um, I was quite happy with the sort of business I have. I'm always a believer in having more options than less, so to speak, when it comes to a squad and stuff. So I was happy to see he's make considerable gains in terms of bringing people in. I think the the move for the players in the Lowland, it was a good opportunity that we spotted to see there was players there available that we could take on and it was a very uh, beneficial deal for everyone there. Like the likes of Gagan and Bell and obviously, you know, Squiddy that will come on to. I like the fact that McCall is kind of hunkering down, so to speak, bringing in some steady heads, sort of grizzled veterans who can kind of get everybody G'd up a little bit and just give that wee bit of grit that we've kind of lacked throughout the season. We really needed some sort of getting a bit between our teeth, so to speak, and I think the addition of those players, I think that's a great, great uh, thing that he's done. I know obviously there's going to be concerns about fitness and you know if they can still do it at their age, but there's a certain romanticism to bringing in a whole bunch of old guns and just going for an assault in the League One title. But yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with our business as, as, as in a moment. I think we've, for the circumstances that we had, we've been able to loan in players and that's about it. We've done, we've done really well. 
I think that's the key point, David, the circumstances we're in. I think McCall's mentioned, and I don't think it's a, a big secret that we did have other targets lined up in January when it looked like we might be able to play. But I think given that Premiership and Championship clubs will probably need the players that they might have loaned us, such as Spittle or players who went elsewhere, such as Bruce Anderson, who looked like he was coming in and then ended up going to Hamilton. I think we've worked the market as well as we could have. And you've both mentioned squad depth there. And I think if we are going to be playing uh, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, possibly even more than that, squad depth is going to be really key. And it will help us make the most of the five subs rule, as Jamie said. We've just spoke about the signings, Reece, so I'll come to you first on Erskine, and then I'll come back round everybody on Erskine as well. Well, my thoughts on Erskine were, well, last time I thought, like, I actually kind of agreed with Gary Caldwell, and I thought it was it was almost finished. But as we've mentioned a couple of times in the, the past year, we've lacked a number 10. Obviously, Erskine's a perfect fit for that. Just uh, And as we've already mentioned, I think it's disappointing that we missed it on the likes of Spittle, McDay and Bruce Anderson. But the guys like Erskine coming in, it's obviously just to to bulk up the squad a bit because you know it's going to be a lot of fixtures in a short space of time it's no no really building for the future and I don't think it's obviously any massive improvements on the squad as we already have it but it's just squad depth I think McCall mentioned short-termism in his in his interview that was released at the end of last week and short-termism is the focus this season I think we've seen a lot of conversations fans have had where other fans on Twitter are sort of debating the pros and cons of short-termism versus long-termism but I think especially when the season's been shortened and we have been dealt the hand of being in League One, I think the, the priority has to be get out of that league at whatever cost, and if the cost is a wee bit of long-termism, then so be it. Jamie, Chris Erskine returns, obviously, the standout news of the transfer window so far for us. Uh, what do you make of him returning? I think that getting Squiddy back in is great. If I was honest, I was kind of hoping we'd get him back in in summer on a one-year deal, because I feel he can definitely do a job for us at this level. I don't know if he'll be starting every game. Or I don't think he probably won't be playing like 90 minutes every week, but he's just a good player to have. He could give you something off the bench, give you that option, or he can play for the first 60 minutes, something like that. He's a player that always has something up his sleeve in a game. He can you know, just do a good bit of skill, get past a couple of players, get an assist or pop up with a goal. And even off the pitch, he's a good player to have around the club. He's an experienced head, he can give advice to younger players. And Obviously, we all know his heart's completely in the right place when it comes to the club. We've had fans, including myself, have accused certain players or have been speaking about certain players who, in the past, they seem to have really not cared that much about the club. Maybe just showing up so they can get a wage at the end of the day. But we know Squiddy definitely loves our club and wants it to succeed. And him coming back for just, you know, that one final send-off and hopefully he can help us either get to League One title or at least just get promoted would just be a great way for him to sign off a brilliant career at the club. So I'm really glad we've gone back in. I'm in agreement in terms of him coming back in. I, I agree. I, I was surprised that we didn't uh, bring him in the summer, to be honest. I think Erskine probably was a wee bit surprised we didn't bring him in in the summer either. Just watching the interview with him um, and Jagstone, you could clearly see he was delighted to be back. And just just a, you know, a, a, a smile about him, that the fact that he was back at Farhill. I think there would be too, wouldn't be too many people who would disagree with the idea that maybe Erskine had stayed as welcome on the pitch when he... Uh, left in January and that he was becoming a bit more irrelevant, especially in the sort of formation that Caldwell played and things like that. But there was a, a heavy cloud over um, when he left that I think a lot of people felt it was unresolved and that it was something that we wanted to see a, a wee bit of closure um, beyond like a training a training ground bus stop that's then, you know, uh, led to him being sold or whatever. I, I mean, the fact that he, he got two goals and an assist in the training game, 
I know it's only a training game. I know it's kind of, you know, for people who haven't played football in three months or something like that. But, you know, the fact you say we do that just shows that he isn't completely washed. Do you know what I mean? There is still something there. And again, I think that one of the key things here is, again, with the squad depth and the fact we're going to have so many games and stuff like that, you're going to have really, really tough games, really gritty games. And you just need somebody who can pull something out. It's not necessarily going to be scoring every week, but it's just a case of when you need somebody, Erskine's going to be that sort of man that's going to really do it. And again, having a 10 in there, um, someone who knows the club, I think a great signing. I think everyone's been up front about Erskine, about it being a one and done. You know, Erskine's talked about it as being for short term, um, as is McCall. He's not going to be here for long, but we might as well savour it while we have him. And he can, he can guide us to the League One title, you know, an extra benefit, a nice wee way to send off. Um, his tenure at Thistle. Absolutely, I think even though the fans aren't there, it's that sort of feel-good factor back around the club again. Uh, it, it can only be good. Like there's only it's a three-month deal. It, there's no downsides to it, so I, it makes sense. So we had a, a friendly uh, yesterday at time of recording Sunday when you're listening to this. Uh, we played Hearts in a friendly for the, the umpteen time this season. David, I know you didn't watch it, so I'll leave you at this one. But Jamie and Reese and myself did catch the game yesterday. Jamie, what were your thoughts on the performance? I thought we looked pretty decent for a side who barely trained, never mind played matches for the best part of three months. Uh, Shea Gordon's goal was nice, some good passing as a neat finish from him. Hopefully we see that from him throughout the season, because that's one of the things he's good for, just running in the box, making those runs, scoring, popping up with goals. So I really hope we see a bit more of that. Uh, I think we were shaking some rustiness off as the game went on, which is understandable. Like, Obviously, we've been gone since Boxing Day, so we're obviously going to have some rustiness, and so is every team in the league. But the more we can get off with a friendly, the better. Uh, Snedden made some great saves, like we talked about in the chat in the second half. I didn't even realise it was him at first, because I didn't see him coming on for Kieran Wright. But uh, it was a, he seemed to have a good game, and again, I hope he gets some sort of a chance in the second half of the season. He's obviously going to give Wright some competition for the gloves. Uh, we looked like we had good intent going forward as well. And I think McCall's finally going to be able to play two up top, which I think he's been wanting to do all season. But obviously there's been issues with that, with injuries and suspensions. And, you know, there's all there's been issues with it all season. But obviously Rudden's going to be out for Saturday with suspension. So I think he might go with uh, McIver and Graham up front, which I'd be happy to see. And hopefully that can go well. We can just go for teams. And I I was pretty happy with the performance overall. And it was, it was a mistake from uh, Wright for the goal. But, as I said, rustiness, and if we're going to get mistakes out, better in a friendly than in a game. Reese, I, I kind of agree. I thought first half we were really good. Not no really good, that's a bit of exaggeration, but we were decent enough and obviously took the lead through one of Shea Gordon's runs. And as the game goes on, you just it's the same as every other friendly. You follow the game when you start making the subs and you bring on the younger guys and like any sort of rhythm just goes away and it just doesn't look like we're going to make our way back into the game. But it was a weird one because Hart's obviously been playing this whole time. And it was, it was basically a Hearts reserve squad or guys that won't really get a game. So it's hard to judge that. I thought Bannigan was the best player in the park by a, by a long way. He was class. Um, and I was impressed with Ross McIver when I seen him play against us earlier this season. And I was quite impressed with him again yesterday because he's, he's got a good good leap on him and he's quite fast and he puts himself about. But it seems like he's quite wasteful in front of goal. I, I remember the Morton game. He did score twice and both of them were rolled offside and I think he should have had about five that day. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Um, other than that, it's hard to tell, but I just can't wait to get into the proper stuff next week. I don't always agree with Ian McCall's uh, post-match assessments of games. I think sometimes he can say things 
uh, rub it in mind games or a bit of tongue in cheek, but I thought he got it pretty bang on yesterday. Uh, there was a lot of, like in the first half, I thought some of the passing and moving was really encouraging. Even though it wasn't perhaps the strongest Hearts team, we saw a goal from Shea Gordon. That's the sort of thing we've been wanting from him more. Getting an end of balls from, from Graham in the forwards. And I think the fact we had two forwards in the pitch helped the ball stick up there to facilitate Gordon making these runs. So I think the first half was encouraging. And then, as you've both mentioned, the second half sort of it turned into a bit of a non-event with all the subs being made. It was a bit stop-start. Uh, obviously, Hearts got their goal from a set-piece and we never really threatened in the second half. But I think if we play a similar team to what started in the first half and play in a similar manner, it's encouraging going forward. So Jamie mentioned there, obviously, Snedden made a good couple of saves when he came on. And Wright was maybe at fault for the goal. I think we'll, I'll come around to all of you and ask you about a few positions. I don't really want to go through the whole team. But McCall's got a decision at making goals. Reese, who would you start for the first league game? It's a tough one. Like, as we've said, like... Sneddon did make some top saves yesterday and was was the better keeper of the two on the day yesterday. But Wright's not done anything to deserve being dropped, I don't think. He's, he's been pretty formidable in the league games, but a couple of silly... No, I wouldn't even say he's made a mistake, to be honest. He's been, he's, he has been solid. So you've got to keep writing until he gives him a reason to be dropped, but he gives him a real headache again because Sneddon deserves to get back in the team. So it's one of them ones, like... They're just waiting for one or the other to make a mistake and have to grab the opportunity with both hands. I'd go with Snedden, and I think it's basically just down to the fact he's our player. I'd, if Wright was contracted to us, or we knew we had Wright for next season as well, I'd, I'd agree with you, Reese. He's not done anything to deserve being dropped, and he has been impressive. But I think Jamie Snedden, he was really good yesterday, and Snedden himself hadn't done anything to be dropped before he picked up his injury. And I think McCall mentioned himself, he's had a really hard time with injury. So I think. To give him a run in the team when it looks like we'll have a lot of games in quick succession, I think will be good for him. And he's never really had a prolonged run. Like seven or eight games always seems to be as long as he gets and then something seems to happen. A new goalkeeper gets brought in or he does get replaced or he gets injured. So I think giving him the the 12, maybe 14 or 16 games we've got left will give him a good run and it'll give McCall, I think, a good indication if he's going to be the man to be our number one for, for the next few years. I always think McCall doesn't really uh, fancy Snedden very much, I've always think, because he never seems to... I feel he always picks other people over him. Last season, he constantly picked Scott Fox over him. And at times, you get a very, very strong argument that Scott Fox deserved to be dropped at times last season. So, I mean, Snedden really should have got more of a chance. And then this season, I even remember him mentioning in an interview, the only reason Kieran Wright didn't start in the opening day against Clyde was because I think he was away on international duty or something. or he, It was something like that. And it's just, it really makes me think that uh, Snedden does, isn't really the kind of goalkeeper McCall wants. And I really hope he does get more of a chance because see, if, I think if he doesn't get many games, like little to no games, then he's going to be off in the summer. Because why, why would he hang about a club where he's not getting much game time? And he's a keeper who really could slot into, comfortably into at least a, at least a championship team, I think, a lower-end championship team at least. So I think he could be off in the summer if he doesn't get any game time. David, I'll come on to you about another position. I think Senna might have been the only player to play 90 minutes yesterday. And Darren Brownlee, I think McCall was quoted to saying he was our best player before the uh, the suspension of the league's DC. Senna and Brownlee continuing at centre-half for the rest of the season. Injuries and suspensions permitting. Yeah, I, I really do. I, I hope so. I mean, we've seen just how well Senna and Brownlee worked together like they were they were really really good together and Senna was feeding off Brownlee he was taking all the stuff on board and he was becoming a better player week by week 
being next to Brownlee. I don't see why, at the very least, you're not starting them when you get back because they had such a good partnership for people who known each other for, what, a couple of months at the most? Well, on a familiar basis on the pitch. And they were, they were really, really good. So I, I I definitely think you need to be starting them together. Obviously, when you get games, you know, two a week and stuff like that, there's going to be options for rotation and things like that. But those two should be the core of the, the centre-backs, uh, certainly. Reese, moving wide in the defence now, I'm going to ask you about James Penrice. I know there's an element of our support that, for some reason, doesn't really rate James Penrice. He's had a bit of a strange season. I think he's improved a lot, and I think especially his defensive play, which he could be criticised for in seasons gone by, but I think he's improved a lot. He found himself on the left-hand side of a midfield four for a lot of the, the start of the season. Where do you see the rest of the season going for Penrice? Do you see him playing in his favoured position at left-back? Do you see him filling in midfield, or do you maybe see him not on the field? I can definitely see him on the field. I feel like sometimes he's undroppable. Like, not even done to performances every week because of that I, I, I rate Penrise highly I know a lot of people don't but he puts in a good shift every week he's a 7 out of 10 bar a mistake, an odd couple of mistakes every season but he's a great young player and he showed us great loyalty throughout the years and I think this season it's a weird one because I think he would have went he, he has been doing good at left mid don't get me wrong but I think he is better at left back and I think he would have went back there had McDade's loan went through and we got McDade but he don't really know now because McKenna actually looks really comfortable at right back I can maybe see Foster going back to right back and Penrose dropping to left mid. And it all depends about who, if we bring in another striker or what to try to fit in, guys, because I know Blair Lyons is injured as well. So I think he'll go back to left back. That's my bet. What about you, Jamie? Where do you see Penrose's season going? Uh, I think he probably will draw back into left back eventually. I think he might start in left mid because McCall did play him in left mid in the friendly yesterday. But it's kind of hard to tell where certain players are going to how much game time they're going to get this season because if you look at like Adam Devine I can't tell if he's going to be cover or McCall actually wants him in the team because obviously he is only 17 years old and he's only been here about a week and a half two weeks so I'm not quite sure where he fits into the plans but I'm hoping Penrice goes back into left back because I agree with Reese that I like him in left mid I think he's good there I think he'd definitely do a job but I prefer him at left back and I really want him to slot in his most comfortable and best position to be honest I think we may as well utilise him to the maximum so I'd rather he played at left back but we'll have to see what happens because I don't know who we play in left mid maybe Connor Murray McCall seems to really like him I don't rate him as highly as McCall does but McCall definitely seems to rate Connor Murray so maybe we'll see him on the left and Penrice back at left back and Foster at right back but I suppose we'll have to wait and see David I'll come to you first for this this last wee bit on the team I think it's pretty likely that we're going to play two banks of four and I think the question is, are we going to have a number 10 and a striker or two out-and-out strikers? Where would you like to see the, the top end of the pitch go and who would you like to see fill those positions? I, I would like to see us play uh, two up front. Um, again, I don't think you're getting you know Erskine as a regular starter. I think even Erskine would admit that. But I think, it, 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 I think we should be starting with two up front and ha- maybe from midweek games or you know, late on, bringing on Erskine sort of to as a number 10 and bring a striker off uh, when we need it. I always love seeing us or other teams play two up front. It shows a, an eventuousness. In, you know, it shows that you want to go on the front foot. 
you're not just going to sit and park the bus. You're you're actually going for teams. And I think in this league as well, in League One, where every team just parks the bus and is stodgy and really hard to break down, having two strikers there will be an absolute nightmare for them. So I would I would be going two up front to be honest. Absolutely, I think we had a couple of discussions on here. Uh, certainly when we're looking at the league table and we see teams like Montrose who have probably I've, I don't have the numbers to hand at the moment but I'm sure someone will check while I'm talking that, but I think Montrose have conceded double the amount of goals as us and they're above us in the league and I think goals scored is, is so important in this league when the, the, the games are so close well our games have been so close if we could just attack state the obvious but if we score more goals we'll win more games and for the first half of the season, we simply didn't score enough goals. We were averaging around a goal a game with so many games we couldn't score. And I think putting two strikers in the pitch is only going to increase the chances of doing that. And personally, I think Graham and Rudden have been crying out for over a year now since they both signed to see them both on the pitch at the same time. If we see them get a run together, I think that's exciting. Jamie, what about you? Would you see the, the two attacking positions going number 10 or a striker or two strikers? Uh, I think you mainly will be two strikers and a uh, two back support, like you mentioned, Matt. But you never know. McCall might like experiment with like a diamond, possibly. So keeping the two up top, but putting the four in the middle to like maybe. And I'm not sure when Doc's coming back, but Banzo at the back of the diamond, and I'm not sure. And then maybe having Squiddy or someone at the top of the diamond, and I'm not sure. We'll have to see what it is, but I think it will mainly be two banks of four and uh, two strikers up top. And I we'll probably mainly go for Brian Graham and Zach Rudden. But that's obviously depending on Rudden staying fit and obviously suspended next week. So it's good that he finally has these options, though, and he'll have an option on the bench. If he does go with two strikers, he'll have either Rudden, Graham, McIver on the bench. And this fourth striker, if uh, this guy does get brought in, whoever it is, the one from down south. So it's good that we actually have the options. But as mentioned, it'll be good to have the two strikers up top because it's something we really lack this season is goals. We've not... They definitely do not have a good enough scoring record. We've only scored nine goals all season in 10 games. It's not acceptable for a team, one of the only two proper full-time teams in this entire league, and we've scored nine goals. Really not good. We have got the best defensive record in the league, so clearly that's not the issue. But like you mentioned, Matt, Montrose, we've scored nine goals. They've scored 10 more than us, and they've conceded way over double what we've conceded, and they're two places above us. So it just proves that we need to get goals, even though our defensive record is good. In some ways, it's like who scores more because teams are so negative in this league they sit in you look at teams that have come against us like Dumbarton they did nothing all game but they basically burgled a point from us because our finishing was dreadful so having those two strikers hopefully one will score the chance that the other one misses and it makes up for some of our good play I totally agree Jamie before I come to you Reese, on this one as you said Jamie we've scored nine goals in ten games we do have the best defence in the league but only Dumbarton and Forfa have scored less goals than us Montrose have scored 19 goals but conceded 15 and find themselves third. So scoring goals is the way in this division, I think. Reese, what would you like to see if the front end of the team shape up like? I think Zach Rudden's going to be big for us in the end of the season. He just needs to get his first goal and then just go on a run. But I thought against Falkirk it was brilliant. Obviously hit the woodwork and looked lively all afternoon up until his red card. So once his suspension's out of the way, I think he can play against Cowden Beef anyway in the cup, but once his league suspension's out of the way, I think he should be our main man. I'd, obviously, Graham will still start, but obviously, Graham's still got problems with his head or what, like still some sort of lateral concussion or whatever. And they had to do a check if he had a bleed on the brain. So, you don't know what's up with Graham. Something could be bothering him. And if they said if he gets a headache, then they have to, like, he can't play. So, pretty bad for him. 
I think uh, Ross McIver will get a, a good amount of game time as well. So I think we might see maybe I think we will go to up top definitely for the end of the season, whether it be Rodney Graham or Graham McIver, whatever it may be. We'll definitely see two, I think. But as you've mentioned, we just need to start getting goals. Hopefully, and I actually hope we get this other striker in, whoever it might be. I know there's been talk of Dobe and West Ham loanies, but whoever it is, I'd like to get him in because we don't need any more deals falling through and they just be another kick in the teeth for McCall. So hopefully that gets over the line. And then we go all guns blazing. There's no point in sitting back anymore playing for 1-0 because, as we've mentioned, we've got the best defence in the league. It's just the, the goals. The top end we need to sort out. Hopefully we can get we can start that against COVID the weekend and then against Cowden Beef. We just need to start going for teams. We've got to see 3-0s, 4-0s, no more 1-0s. One thing I would say about like 1-0s and stuff like that is that 1-0 wins don't suit us. We are meant to be the big fish, if you know what I mean. We shouldn't be grinding at 1-0 wins. The, the onus is in the other team to grind at the 1-0 win. We realistically should be setting the benchmark and winning by two or three in games because we arguably have the strongest squad outside of maybe Falkirk. I think playing for a 1-0s absolutely just plays into other teams' games because that, that's exactly what they're all doing. And yeah, that's why I really want to see two up front just purely because we should be smashing them. I'm, I'm wary about quotes getting taken in isolation and said we should be smashing teams. 1-0s aren't good enough for us. If we won the next 12 games 1-0, I would be delighted. But I think maybe what the two of you were sort of inferring without saying was we want to see the intent of going to win games 3 or 4-0 and it's not going to happen every week. But I don't think we really saw that before the suspension. We didn't really see us going to, to kill teams off early on. Games were a grind and we want to see that bit of flair. And even if we are winning games 1 or 2-0, but with a bit of flair, I think we'll all be delighted with that. Joining David to preview the next league game against Cove is Jamie Durant from the Press and Journal. joined by Jamie Durant from the Press and Journal and Evening Express and the Northern Goal podcast to discuss uh, this Saturday's game against Cove Rangers. So hello Jamie, how are you doing today, all right? I'm not so bad, David, how are you? Uh, can't complain, excited. Um, so we'll just get straight into it, obviously Cove Rangers are first game back since the shutdown. How do you feel Cove are going to line up? Do you, has there been many, much changes over lockdown for them? Do you feel that they're going to be in push for a challenge? There's not been too much change up at Cove during the last uh, couple of months or so. The the main the main kind of bit of news probably came last week with the announcement that Mitch Meganson, the captain and leading goalscorer over the last few seasons, has signed a three-year extension to his contract, which will take him to the end of the 2023-24 season. Um, he's been pivotal in their rise from the Highland League up towards the, the top end of League One. They've brought back Ross Graham on loan from Dundee United, who'd played played them earlier in the season, but was recalled when, when the league went into shutdown and they've kept the two young hearts kids, uh, Cammy Logan and Connor Smith, who they joined just ahead of the Aloha Scottish Cup game in January. But that 
don't think I'm not sure if they got on or not in that game, but they didn't play kind of anything beyond that. Obviously, after football was was shut down, but they're still with the squad. They've been training with Hearts. Kind of during the lower league shutdown, but have returned since uh, the lower leagues have been given the go ahead to continue. There's not, I would imagine, Cove will just try and look to pick up um, where they left off at the start of uh, the start of the year. They're in a decent position, and particularly with the with a kind of shortened campaign coming up, I think they'll be looking to have kind of a real a real push towards the end of the season. And obviously, with the split coming in, you know that most people are tipping it's going to be. Uh, Falkirk, ourselves, Airdrie, Cove, and possibly Montrose as well to keep their form up. What are your thoughts on this? But do you do you think it's a, a good move? Would you have preferred an eighteen game season? How? What do you think about it? Well, when it first was kind of mooted, I was I was fairly nonplussed as to whether it would be an eighteen or twenty two game season. But I spoke to um, actually spoke to Mitch kind of Mitch Megginson at the start of last week and was kind of getting his thoughts on it, and he raised the point that. It, that a 22-game season is is probably a little bit fairer. So you are kind of giving teams something to play for towards the end of the season, be it at the top end or bottom end, whereas seven games is probably a little bit too short a time. And you may be 18 games. Can you really say who's, if it's like that's a fair, a fair reflection on the on the league or not? So I'm, I can support the 22-game the 22 the season as well. And it gives... Um, it gives the kind of the games towards the end of the season a little bit more meaning as well, particularly if you've got the top teams going against each other. You could have a title decider in there. You could have playoff deciders in there. So it would be for me, it's it's probably the best of a bad situation, given given teams something a little bit more to play for towards the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would agree with that. Um, I think. One of the things as well is that it's going to be quite tough for teams to sort of make that immediate jump of being back into game mode. Obviously, it's going to be two games a week sometimes. Um, at times, I know certainly we we'll have a, a good few weeks where we're playing two a week. Um, how do you feel that COVID are are prepared for that? Is this something that happened when they're in the Highland League often, or is it just a case of you know? How how do you feel they're going to be? Do you think they've got enough squad depth to kind of handle the sort of weekend and midweek games, you know, over and over again, or do you think that might be their downfall? I know Paul Hartley was looking to add a couple of bodies to his squad ahead of the the game the games coming back, and obviously um, Ross Graham was one of those coming back from Dundee United. There may be another one or two coming in over the kind of the next week or so. I don't know. Certainly, kind of, I've not heard anything at the time of recording, but it did happen at times in the Highland League because of kind of most to do with postponements through the kind of winter period, and you'd end up with a backlog towards the end of the season. And the one that comes to mind was the year before Cove actually got promoted. They were the year they got beaten in the playoff by Calvin Beef. They were playing sometimes three games a week um, to get all of the fixtures played because I think they had a good run in the Scottish Cup that year as well. So that forced a little bit of a fixture backlog. And by the end, they were kind of, they kind of ran out of steam just because they were out of the the running low on bodies by the end because of the amount of games they'd had to play. If you look at it kind of now, the current time frame, you're going to have, well, you're going to have at least 11 games. And then if they qualify for the playoffs, then potentially another three. Um, So 14 games. They've had a fairly settled squad for the majority of the season. You can probably pick 
eight or nine of Cove's players most weeks. I think a couple more bodies to take them up to about 19, 20 would, would probably, that would probably be what Paul Hadley would look for. But there's always the worry that say, if you do pick up a couple of injuries that then you are going to be, uh, you're going to be running a little bit short. And then one thing, obviously, at the, the first meeting between Thistle and Cove, uh, it was a very scrappy game. Looked to be nil-nil until a, a Doherty mistake uh, led to a late, late goal for Cove Rangers. So obviously, a very disappointing result for Thistle. But I think the overriding uh, feeling for a lot of Thistle fans, I know we could beat, but I think the overriding Thistle fans is that we Cove didn't necessarily play with the sort of maybe easy on the eye, a bit more uh, forward thinking and stuff like that. I don't think they got to play that very well against us. Have you found that they, they, they've struggled to, obviously, because you mentioned about League 2, they, they were playing very free-flowing free and, you know, uh, a, a good technical game of football. Has that really panned out in League 1? Do you expect more of what we saw before from the official game, or do you think they've kind of grown, you know, came out their shell a little bit more in League 1? Do you think that we'll see a bit more out of them? Than we maybe did it maybe did in the first game, um, albeit the game they won. From what I remember of that day, the conditions were kind of pretty horrendous. I think the there was high winds that day up in that kind of part of Aberdeen, and I don't think anyone neither side on that day were going to be able to play anything kind of approaching mm-hmm. the the best game. And to be honest, it wasn't. It was a poor game to watch for the majority of it. And uh, so I'd kind of resigned to to being uh, a nil nil. Fair play, obviously, Cove capitalised late on to, to get the winning goal. I mean, by and large, they have they have kind of stuck to their guns in most of the games that I've seen, particularly at home. They've got a pitch that suits them. They train on the pitch twice a week. Um, you know, the style of play suits the surface that they that they play on. It's maybe been a little bit harder to transfer and some other on to some other surfaces, which I think they found last season when it's when surfaces aren't maybe as good as theirs because this is obviously an artificial one, so they know what they're going to get every week, whereas some of the pitches you can go to in the lower leagues tend to be a little bit more unpredictable, maybe not as maybe not as, as good as, as what they have. This season, when they had like the difficult run kind of just before Christmas, it was they were still creating chances, they just weren't taking them. Um, and they were kind of they were getting punished for mistakes at the other ends. And I think the, the wins they kind of got before football shut down, and particularly the Alloa one, which is obviously a, a huge, a huge result for them. I think that will give them a lift. And if I remember rightly, Paul Hartley said after that game that it's the best he'd ever seen Cove play, and they'd gone there to a Championship team and won three two, which has obviously earned them a, a Scottish Cup trip to Rangers in a couple of weeks. So I think we'd see. We'd, obviously, we don't know what the the impact of the long kind of shutdown has had. Obviously, it's going to be the same for every club, really, kind of coming back from from two months off. But I'd I'd like to think there would be a kind of a, a kind of a confident forward thinking approach from Cove in these uh, these final games. As always with this, we ask for um, a prediction on a score. Obviously, it's up for house. It's a wee bit different from the first game. I'd also like a prediction from yourself. Where where do you see Cove ending up? Do you and do you see anyone? beating Falkirk to the title? Well, I'll sit on the fence and say 2-2 for Saturday. <laughs> that way I... <laughs> um, in terms of Cove, I think they'll finish in the playoffs. I think they've got enough about them to do it. And I think they've got the quality. They've got guys that have played at this level before, which I think it can get lost sometimes. And people maybe look at 
Cove or they've come up from the Highland League, they've come up from League Two. But you've got guys that have, that have played at a higher level before. A lot of the guys that played together in the youth teams at, at Aberdeen. So they know each other's games inside out and they're kind of they're coming to the right age in terms of a football career at 26, 27, 28, to, which would you probably consider your peak years. They're obviously going to have the disadvantage of being a part-time club, but they've, they've tried to operate as if they were a more professional outfit than that with, say, the way they train and, and the kind of the processes that Hartley's kind of brought into, into place. So I think they will be around the playoffs. I think Falkirk would understandably be uh, favourites for the, for the title. I don't think that's going to be uh, in doubt just now. I think they should be with their kind of resources and their obviously their aspirations to get back into uh, into the championship I think they should be they should be the runaway favourites Moving away from on the pitch, we'll discuss some off-the-field matters. I know some of them are really boring, so we'll stay away from SPFLs and votes and things. But the season does look like it's going down a slightly different route now. At the time of the recording, we're recording this on Monday evening, the SPFL have announced that the 22-game season will go ahead. And even if the season drops to 18 games, there will be playoffs. But I want to ask you about the 22-game season and what do you? Th- what are your thoughts on the split? So that would mean we're, if we do finish in the top five, we're currently fifth. If we do finish in the top five, we've almost got playoffs before the playoffs. Do we all think this is a good thing? How do we feel about it? David, I'll come to you first. I, I've always said, and I don't think you'll find a, a Scottish football fan out there who doesn't enjoy the drama of the, the Premiership split. When you're in the top six, it's great because you can watch the other six teams scrap it out to be relegated. When you're in the relegation scrap, it's an absolute nightmare, but it's really thrilling. I I really enjoy the split. I think it will be, it's basically four games against your four title rivals and it can pull, not only can you make points up against a team like Falkirk, but Falkirk can also drop points against a team like Airdrie. Every game means something and I think it's as well for the relegation spot. A split will be great um, for teams like Peterhead or whatever, or Forfa. Um, and it'll be really, really exciting, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And it's going to be a grandstand finish, I think. I'm with you. I think it is exciting. The only thing is, at the moment, if you look at the table, East Fife, who are sixth, are only three points off the playoff positions. And if we were to go into a split now with the league like that, they could not finish in the playoff positions despite only being three points behind with four games to play. I know that's the point of a split to give you some more games, but we could conceivably find ourselves within touch and distance of the playoffs, but sitting sixth, I know that sounds strange maybe, 
to probably sounds strange to people who haven't watched Thistle much, but to people who have watched Thistle, us being sixth in League One probably doesn't sound strange. But quite conceivably, a, a big team could be sitting sixth and then get locked out of being able to go for the playoffs. I know the other alternative is an 18-game season and they wouldn't have had that chance anyway, but I think, as you said, David, the fact that you are playing teams near you, uh, it's sort of an extra shot at the title for us, I think, when the title maybe looked like it was gone. We'll definitely have another game against Falkirk. We'll have another couple against Cove as well, so I think it gives us that uh, that second chance at the title when it maybe looked like it had slipped away just before Christmas. Uh, Reese, what do you think of it? Uh, yeah, as you've already said, like, I, I do think it'll make for an entertaining end to the season, but non like we'll just screw it up as usual. Like, See when we got top six and we came into the split, we got a drop hearts and then crumbled in every other game, so knowing us, we'll do the same here, but you just got to hope that doesn't happen, don't you? I'm glad, I'm glad that it's going to be a 22-game season or whatever, because if the shot it is, it's boss for us. We just need to play as many games as we can, hopefully build up the points before the end of the season. And as you've already mentioned, the league's not done. What is it? We're, we're six points off the top with a game in hand or something. It's definitely not done, but we just need to make a quick start in the league and hopefully go into the, the playoffs before the playoffs when I go run a form. Jamie? I wasn't 100% sure at first, like it's already been mentioned. It's kind of like a playoff warm-up in some ways before the real thing. But I'm kind of glad it'll be a 22-game rather than an 18-game season because the split will make it go right down to the wire and... As again, it's already been mentioned, it's kind of given us a second shot at the title because an 18-game season plays into Falkirk's hand way more than ours because they can remain at least three points ahead throughout the whole of that and then it's down to them to drop points, not us to catch them up. Whereas if a 22-game season, as long as we don't completely screw it up and then finish bottom five, it should be a horrendous season for us. But if we don't do that, then we play Falkirk a second time and we can go level with them. And with 12, games, with 12 games left, we simply have to make a fast start. We failed to do so in the first half of the season. We really stopped start. We never really put a run to form together that was great. It was certainly not the form of a team fighting to be champions. Poor results have to stop now. Like Terrible results. Like 1-0 losses to Clyde. Peter Head, the goalless draw with Dumbarton. Losing that late goal away to Cove. Sloppy results of that. We've got to cut them out. We've only got 12 games left. And if we even won 1-0 loss, if we lose that, then Falkirk could, again, keep a six-point gap. Because, say, if we lost the game in hand we had against Clyde, if we lose that again, Falkirk goes six points ahead. Very, very unlikely we catch them up. If we lose two games, crap games, like 1-0 or something like that, or draw a game 0-0, we could end up finishing sixth. And then, we're as, as already mentioned, we're locked out of the playoffs. So we cannot afford slipping up against teams that we really, really should be beating. I'm no way I think it'll be a walkover against these teams that we cannot afford to slip up. We're going to have a new feature on the podcast called Partridge Thistle, where I'm going to ask the panellists an Alan Partridge-type question, and we encourage any suggestions of these types of questions to be sent in by listeners and answered by listeners in the next week. So the first question that I'm going to pose to David, Reese, and Jamie is, how many bites does it take you to finish a cream egg? I'll open that up to anyone that wants to come in on that. Um, it could be done in two easily, but you need to savour it, don't you? I, I'm a two-bite man myself. What about David and Jamie? <laughs> oh, I agree with you. So you've got to savour it, man. If you do it in two bites, then it's just gone. If you, you know, have it with a tea or something, it's nice to be able to savour it out with a whole cup of tea instead of just eating it before that. Now, this this is not helping our image with West End, that's all, by the way. 
No, but I think the key, Jamie, is like, why stop at one cream egg? You could have it with your tea, eat it in two bites, and then just have another one. I don't know, maybe you're on some sort of slimming diet or something. I don't know. That's, that's eat, true. Eat to their own, eat to their own. <laughs> I was going to say, Matt, you were talking about how um, you know, you'd know, put on all your weight during lockdown and all that. You know, you've got a Wednesday to go in and you're like, why do you have two cream eggs instead of one? <laughs> and, um, this is a bastard for me because I don't eat chocolate and I've never eaten chocolate. I ate it as a kid and hated it and just never eat chocolate. So um, I don't even know, like... I, I've I've never eaten one and um I, I don't have any intention of eating one but I'll say free just to spice it up a bit. I think the key is as long as you eat it thin side first. Kirsty, my partner, opened a cream egg the other day and and bit into it fat end first, which which is horrifying. That that's just not on. Um, so I think is it's not people eat <laughs> Well, so we're going down another road entirely there, Jamie, but. Uh, <laughs> That could be next week. Uh, no, if if you've got any any answers, any thoughts on how many bites it takes to finish a creamy egg, do get in touch. And if you've got any questions that you'd like asked in this partridge thistle section, also please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but we'll leave it there for a week. I think we've all been a bit rusty. Um, we'll, we'll improve as as we pick up our match fitness as the weeks go on. But David, Jamie, and Reese, thanks very much for joining me. Uh, And as always, stay safe and wear a mask. Mm